All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Throw Six Fantasy Football Podcast. We're recording episode number 79, and it is our first week without legitimate football. Uh, we what it has been 20-something weeks now, it seems like, after if you mix in the regular season and playoffs. I mean, we got a little bit of football if you count the uh, Pro Bowl, flag football, whatever is going to be happening this weekend. But uh, it's our first week without it. We got the big Super Bowl coming up. Uh, in a little over a, a week and week and a bit, I guess. Uh, but we're recording here, episode 79, on Wednesday, February 1st. And uh, before we start getting to the content, we'll say hello to the boys and see how everybody's doing. Uh, Armand, uh, big tournament, home tournament this weekend, I, I, I overheard. So what's been keeping you busy? Yeah, just planning for that home tournament, trying to make sure I got all my ducks in a row here from concession and making sure i got all the programs right and uh all the all the timekeepers and all that and then making sure that i got my own team prepared to to win it all because hopefully we can make it to the a final and uh have a good game against our crosstown rivals at carlton absolutely and zach how about yourself there what's been keeping you busy Armin, you're sounding like uh, Arian Foster saying that uh, the NFL is scripted. You're already <laughs> already penciling in Carlton to uh, the A-side final. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, Carlton is penciled in, and uh, we are not penciled in yet. This is uh, big-time bulletin board material for uh, whatever other teams you got. I think you said North Battleford, Melfort maybe. Humbled, I think. Yeah. 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 You know what? Uh, I'll, I'll give it to them. And uh, if they can beat Carlton, I would be pretty impressed with them. So please, please beat Carlton. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> they're, uh, they're a good team over there this year. I, they haven't lost a game yet. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Are, uh, are both North Battleford teams coming? Yeah, both North Battle for teams, and then your uh, your school there, Evan Hardy, sending their boys. Oh, right um, on. Hopefully, we see them in the second game. So excited to to see what they got. That's exciting. Well, for me, I've just been shivering down here in Saskatoon. It's probably been it's felt the coldest uh, little uh, snap here that I can recall this winter, especially coming off those about week and a half of like minus fives zeros plus twos and then to be back in like minus 30 it's, it's a tough adjustment i'd say yeah it's this has been brutal i uh i actually well, we started doing the baby room this past week so and then my wife's been doing a project too so she's working in the garage now to have the project and a vehicle in the garage is a little bit tight so well, the, <laughs> i don't have a command start in the truck but she has command start in the car so she parked in the in the garage all last winter now I don't have a, a command start, so I've been parking in the garage this winter, which has been nice, which has been nice. But um, now with the project going on, I parked outside and she parked in the garage so we could fit the project, just move it back and forth. And I was like, oh, we kind of didn't plan this out super great that I'm parking my truck outside with no command start when it's the coldest weather of the year. And when I was parking in the garage, it was five degrees and it could have got away with that for sure. But I've been planning that one out, but lots of painting, lots of, you know, all the good stuff for renovation to bring, but Got to watch a little football on Sunday, which was nice. And now we've got uh, we got our Super Bowl set. Uh, last year was the number four seed versus the number four seed. This year we got the number one seed versus the number one seed. Uh, both teams that had the bye week have made it on past the, the championship round, and we'll see each other in the Super Bowl final 
uh, coming up in two weeks time on February 12th. So if you haven't heard already, just a quick reminder that we are hosting or we're not hosting, but in partnership with the Rock Road Event Centre, there will be a Super Bowl watch party and the proceeds will be going to our charity of the year. Uh, that is Jim Pattison Children's Hospital. So we have one more charity event. Well, I guess two. We have the, the big event, the Super Bowl watch party. And then on top of that, we also have our Super Bowl props bets coming up as well, too. So and with those coming up, uh, we're looking to make a nice large donation to Jim Pattison Children's Hospital. And hopefully uh, we can surpass our, our goal and what we had last year at $2,000. So before we move into insiders and headliners, just wanted to give a brief update with uh, where we're at with the bracket challenge, one of our other charity events of there as well, too. Um, it's coming down to the last couple teams. Um, we have for sure there's going to be one of these two are our champions. It'll be Tim Stewart, who is currently at 11 points, only has one guess incorrect. So he is currently sitting at first place and he has Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. And then behind them, there's a three way tie with 10 points, but they two. Uh, sorry, one of them is already eliminated, can no longer get points, and that's Joey Carrier. Uh, he had the 49ers to win. He stuck at 10 points. Then we have Lexi Carrier, actually my wife, uh, who is sitting at tied for second as well. And she is Kansas City, so if Kansas City wins, she can climb and stay, stay solidified second place. And then there's Darren McDougal, uh, who has the Eagles, and he is currently tied for second place. So it's either going to be Darren or it's going to be Tim who win. And then after that, second and third place kind of shakes down a little bit. There's a, a chance that it could be Lexi. The chance could be Joey. The chance could be Nolan, uh, who has that nine points. Uh, there's a few things that can kind of shake out from there. So uh, still lots of opportunities for people to win. It's going to be exciting. Uh, and we obviously, like I mentioned, that'll all come to the conclusion at the end of the uh, Super Bowl as well. So uh, if you uh, if you want to in, in, have any information or would like to find out more information about the Super Bowl watch party, uh, we've already started getting great prizes on that. Like I mentioned, it's going to be February 12th. Uh, we have two signed jerseys to give away at the uh, at the raffle table. Uh, the first one we have is rookie uh, rookie wide receiver Traylon Burks signed jersey, which is super awesome, recent first-round pick. And then a couple of years ago, first-round pick, we also have a signed Jerry Judy Denver Broncos jersey as well, too. So we got some signed jerseys. 22 Fresh hooked it up big time. We got lots of 22 Fresh prizes, and we also have donations coming in pretty regularly. So lots of fun prizes to have this year. Check it out. We got food, drinks, uh, games. Obviously, the, the game's going to be on. Last year, we had it on two projectors. We're going to try and get it on four projectors this year uh, with as many TVs as possible. So it's going to be a great event. Hopefully, see lots of you there. Uh, and keep checking out social media for uh, for details. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. I'm Ron Burgundy. So we got three things to talk about today. And it's actually kind of funny. I was looking back at our docket exactly one year ago. And it was, how, where did we fit in the uh, fantasy awards? And I guess I didn't really mention at the top of the uh, docket, just with the week off. This is where we do our fantasy awards for the previous season. And I was looking at the docket from last season and it was episode 39. And in the insiders and headliners, it said, Tom Brady, retire, Tom Brady retires, question mark, question mark. So like it legitimately one full calendar year later, we have another announcement that Tom Brady TB12 is going to be <laughs> retiring from the game of football. Now, obviously lots of people are thinking, is this legit? Is this actually going to walk away? It was a short and sweet announcement. Um, this one, I think, uh, I know Zach, you you probably know 
more about Tom Brady than anybody else does. But it seems very bizarre that we come back for one year, a bad year with um, with the Buccaneers, get divorced, um, essentially separate from his family, and then walk away exactly 365 days uh, later. So uh, do you think this is actually the end, or do you think it's going to be one of those ones where a quarterback position opens up on another team as kind of enticing, and all of a sudden he's like, ah, let's do one more go, or do you think this is it? I think this is it. Um, if he was interested in playing for another team, I think the the writing on the wall in San Fran was already uh, there. Uh, just with Jimmy G being a free agent, Trey Lance not knowing fully what he's capable of. And then now Purdy uh, being hurt pretty bad. Um, so, bad. <laughs> yeah. So there, there was that opportunity, and I'm sure uh, – San Fran being his child home team and then being such a potent offense, that would be a really good match for him. But uh, to not even explore that in free agency, um, I'd say this is probably it for a good. The rumor last year was that he was going to retire, but then uh, Schefter or somebody else like that leaked that he was retiring and it wasn't on his own terms at that point in time because he wanted to be the one that announced he was retiring and not a media personality. So the rumor or the speculation is, is that because of that, he came back for one more year. And now today he announced on his own over social media with that video that many of us have already seen or, or listened to. Um, so he was able to walk away on his own terms. So uh, I would, I would hope that, you know, kind of for, for his legacy, that this is kind of it because um I don't want to be sitting back here in 15, 20 years and have all the jokes about Brady like there were with Brett Favre and him retiring and unretiring for on and off for what seemed like three or four years. Yeah. You know, I think it would have been, and not to take anything away from Tom Brady's career, but I think there would have been, there's a different persona of Tom Brady now in this last couple of years. Like this last year was very difficult to watch that offense. We ragged on that offense quite a bit. But could you imagine if he sort of walked away at the pinnacle of his career where he won the Super Bowl, that was it. And, like, everybody's remembered Tom Brady winning. Now he went off to this last season, and there was the whole, you know, the kerfuffle with the family and the memes and everything that came from that. And now this Antonio Brown saga that continues to circulate on social media. And then now having this really, really difficult season on that offense. And then then it's like, ah, now I'm retiring. Where could you imagine if he would have walked away at the pinnacle of his career where now it's, like, almost like, you know, like look at uh, like Roethlisberger where he struggled down the stretch, especially with his arm or Manning where he was unreal. But then that last year, just trying to piece together with a, with a noodle arm, it's, it, it would have been, but like we talked about before too, it's difficult to go out with a pinnacle because you always wonder what, if I had more. And I think that's kind of where we saw here now where it's, you're starting to see the decline and maybe thinking let's, let's walk away when we still have the legacy, not of the washed up Tom Brady that we could possibly see in, two, three years or one year even, you know? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think a number of years ago, he set the, well, what at the time seemed like the the arbitrary number of playing until 45. And uh, he said that was his goal and and that, and this was his age 45 season. So um, whether or not that was an arbitrary number that kind of became uh, meaningful or not, who knows, but um yeah, I think I think you're right. Had he walked away two seasons ago, that would have been, um, you know, awfully, uh, like dramatic, kind of like a fairy tale ending. But 
I think they had a real shot last year and didn't work out. And then I I think what I said earlier was the case where he wanted to kind of stick it to Schefter or, or whoever and came back with the the Buccaneers and it just wasn't a good a good season for him or for the team. Exactly. And, it, and it's not like he was uh mounting either. Like he still put up like a, a pretty good season. Yeah, I think, like, he, I think if I was a number five or number six in passing yards or air yards, I think the season, but yeah. just a touchdown. If right. I was Brady, I would have done the same thing had uh, someone leaked my retirement. I probably would have done another year just to be like, screw you, stubborn. buddy. It's stubborn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I have that mentality sometimes. And then, like you were saying, Jordan, it's not like he had a, it was the Buccaneers had a bad season. Tom yeah. Brady wasn't like, it didn't look like he was awful, you know, like the, he was still better than um, like probably half of the starting QBs, if not more in the NFL this year. Um, it's just, he didn't have a good, uh, good team surrounding him. And, and like Zach said, they had a good shot last year of making it and you couldn't, nobody could have predicted the Buccaneers falling off the cliff that wildly that they did this year. So. I think I like what you said there, Armand, about it not being him and it being the team. Um, uh, like you mentioned earlier there, uh, Jordan, he was number two in the league in passing yards. And then if you look at his attempts, he was number one in the league uh, with 716. And the next closest player was Justin Herbert with 662. So he threw the ball like a game and a half or a game at least more than the next closest player. So to me, that just goes to show that he didn't really have a, a running game to, to complement his offense. My problem with the offense was the average depth of target where in the past you've seen Tom Brady air it out and you've seen those big explosive plays and you've seen the connection with him and Mike Evans over the last couple of years. And Mike Evans, I don't think he had a single touchdown until it was like week 16 or week 17. I think he got all his touchdowns week 17, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I might be maybe missing a TD or so in there. We didn't see that big explosive. It was check down, check down, quick crosser routes. It was, you know, not the Tom Brady that's dominant that we've seen in the past that can pick apart a defense. It was, okay, I got to check it down, check it down. Like I, I Now, for some reasons, when I think of that offense, I think of that game against Arizona on the Christmas Day or, or Christmas Eve, I can't remember. And it was just who can check the ball down quickest. Like Leonard Fournette, I think he had like 11 receptions for 160 yards. I think he had one major, but it was all just check down, check down, swing, check down, swing. It's not that, you know, high powered Tom Brady offense that you have come accustomed to see over the last 20 plus years. Um, you mentioned this one already, Zach, too, uh, when you were talking about the San Francisco offense. And there's still a little bit of uncertainty in the air. I've seen mixed reports. We do know that he has a torn UCL, uh, which is a, a, you know, an arm or shoulder injury there uh, with Brock Purdy in San Francisco. Uh, there's been a report that he needs Tom, Tommy John surgery, which is a very common surgery for baseball players. Uh, if that's the case and he does have Tommy John surgery, he's going to miss the entire 2023 campaign uh, with the recovery. And that is a difficult surgery to come back from, especially for baseball players. Now, if that is, the, if that's the case, I think things make uh, it's a little bit easier for San Francisco moving forward. If this is, you know, a, a more of a minor surgery or like a four month recovery period where we could see him again in the off season, uh, early the sorry the uh, has an off season to recover and then we see him come uh, come OTAs etc. Then then maybe this becomes a little more murky. But um, I mean we saw what happened there. They went you know, Brock Purdy getting strip sacked. 
than to not even be able to hold the football to Josh Johnson getting sacked and getting concussed and they couldn't even attempt to pass. I think he had one completed pass and it was a check down at like two yards. Um, so I'm curious to see as we get more reports, what happens here, uh, because if you, if we would have this conversation, say for example, the San Francisco loses this game is close game. Brock Brady doesn't get hurt, but he at least, you know, had a good game. We're sitting here talking about, is it Trey Lance? Is it Brock Purdy next year? Because Trey Lance coming off an injury, we still haven't seen what he's got. Obviously, probably significantly superior in athleticism, but we don't necessarily know what Trey Lance is yet because we haven't seen it. Where there's that little bit of discussion now with Brock Purdy most likely missing at least a, a substantial portion of the 2023 season. I think it's a little bit more solidified, like Zach had mentioned, that it's going to be Trey Lance. I can't imagine they re-sign Garoppolo or go pursue a veteran quarterback in the offseason, especially giving what they had given up for him in uh, draft season to get him. But the last one, this one, I'm curious to see what you guys think, because I think this is incredibly bizarre. I, I can't, I can't believe an organization would do this, but I'm maybe you guys think differently than I, uh, that Sean Payton has been traded to the Denver Broncos coach. Sean Payton has been traded and it wasn't like it's substantial. It's for a first round pick. And then there's going to be a higher compensation as well uh the rumor is that it's going to be a second round pick or a late third so a first round draft pick and possibly a second or a third round draft pick to trade for a coach not a player a coach so i'm very very curious to see what you guys think and and we'll start with armin and then i'll go to zach here and see what you guys think but uh um is this something that you'd pursue i know obviously denver's all in they traded for russell in the offseason they invested heavily in him, so maybe they think the coach is, is all they need away from this. But I'm, I'm curious to think to see what you guys think on this one. Well, like a coach can make a huge difference, but usually you don't trade assets away from them. Like usually they're generally cheap and just that you need a contract, right? And then you pay them big money. So it, it is a bit of a head-scratcher that you're paying – uh, another team in order to get a, a coach that they let go. Um, but Sean Payton does have a proven track record. Um, he had a good relationship with Drew Brees, and maybe they're hoping that he can build that relationship with Russ and, and make it so that it wasn't such a waste of picks, just kind of almost doubling down on Russ here, on that Russ trade and trying to make sure that it works and, so that they don't look ridiculous for actually trading as much as they did to get them. What do you think, Zach? I think uh, trading for a head coach isn't the worst thing that you can do. Um, in recent memory, um, it's happened twice as far as I know. Um, in recent memory, uh, actually Bill Belichick was traded from the Jets to the Patriots uh, in the early, early 2000s, maybe even 1999. And then also... Uh, I'm sure both of you have seen this uh, DVD on the bus to Saskatoon for football games, but the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers traded for um, who's that crazy guy, John Gruden from the, uh, from the Raiders. And coincidentally, coincidentally, both of those guys went on to win a Super Bowl. Uh, Belichick winning multiple Gruden winning one Super Bowl for that team that traded for him. So like Armin said, it does make a big difference, I think, but it is uncommon trading for a head coach. The part that really uh, surprises me is uh, doing some reading the other day. Um, the one article said that the Broncos were turned down by several 
head coaching candidates that they preferred over Sean Payton. Um, their number one choice was Jim Harbaugh, Michigan uh, University of Michigan head coach, who turned them down to stay at Michigan. Uh, then their next choice was uh, Dan Quinn, um, who ended up staying with Dallas, I believe. Yep. And then on Tuesday before they announced the Sean Payton trade, um, my Twitter was blowing up with reports that they were making a full court press to get D'Amico Ryans to sign with Denver rather than signing with the Texans. So, um, and then only after D'Amico Ryans turned them down and signed with the Texans, did they complete this trade for Sean Payton. So uh, to me, at least it seems odd that if your fourth choice uh, coach is the one that you end up with, it's probably not the coach that you wanted all along. And then on top of that, to trade uh, two early draft picks and a very sizable contract to boot, um, that just seems like bad business to me. This is total boomer bust. That's that's all I think. Is, this is boomer bust. Either you're going to win a Super Bowl or this franchise is toast for years to come. Because there's a there's definitely a world where Russell Wilson is done. He's just toast. There's nothing left in him. And you gave up a drastic amount of draft capital and money to keep him. And now you're giving up like a first and a third, or even if it's a first and second, whatever it is, that can get you a superstar player on your team. Like if it's come trade deadline, a team is tanking, they're, they're rebuilding. A first and a third is a big return for a team to give up a superstar. So that capital that you could put together to add to the offense, add to the defense, whatever, like that's a great defensive team they already have. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know. The other part to this puzzle that I don't know is we haven't seen him coach without, well, maybe was it one season we saw it? And yeah. Now when we haven't seen him with Drew Brees, Drew Brees is a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. Like we haven't seen uh, like that offense tick without that first ballot Hall of Fame. Now is Russell first ballot Hall of Fame? If we were having this conversation last year, I'd say he's probably well on his way. Now he has this huge down season. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yes. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? To be determined, I don't think so. Maybe not. But uh, there's a lot of moving parts. And it's one of those ones where it just, this seems sketchy to me. And if I'm a Denver Bronco fan right now, I would be very uneasy. Because I don't have the numbers in front of me, other than the fact there's a first and a third. But do you remember how much they gave up in that Seattle trade for draft capital? Obviously, they gave up a lot of youth. But I can't remember draft capital. I want to say it was two firsts. Is that correct? Honestly, it was a first uh, I can I can pull it up here. Like but it was it was a lot plus uh players too. So uh right here, let's see. Yeah, because they gave up uh Noel Fant, uh they gave up um Drew Locke, which is <laughs> whatever, it's a backup quarterback, everybody knows what they have in Drew Locke. Uh, but then it was a lot of draft capital involved there too. And if I remember correctly, I think Seattle flipped one of the picks, but I, I might so be per Seahawks.com. It says the blockbuster deal sends from Denver to Seattle two first-round picks, uh, the number nine overall pick last year and this year's first, two second-round picks, number 40 last year, and a 2023 20, second. So uh, a first and a second last year and a first and a second this year. Um, last year's fifth-round pick, as well as tight end Noah Fant, quarterback Drew Locke, and defensive end Shelby Harris. And, that, uh, and then in addition to Russell Wilson, the Seahawks did chip in 
a 2022 fourth rounder. Yeah. And that first round this year is what the 105 or the 104. Like it's, <laughs> it's a premium pick. Substantially, but like it's like you would have it to went give, perfect look for Francisco. Seattle. Look what San Francisco gave up to get the one. Oh, was it 103? 103. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> this, this is a nightmare for Denver that you got Russell Wilson who performed the way he did this past year. And now you're giving up more draft capital for somebody that doesn't even go on the field. And yes, I think the mind of a coach is really important to have, and it can benefit your roster in a, in a drastic way. But like, what if Sean Payton isn't what they think he is? Like you see the drastic difference that year from the Drew Brees offense to the retired Drew Brees offense. You know what I mean? There, Oh, it's, if I was a Bronco fan, I'd be really concerned and I would be very disappointed if Detroit gave up a first and a second round pick or a first and a third round pick for a member of a coaching staff. That's, that's my opinion. It seems sketchy. Now, if Denver wins the Super Bowl next year, I'm sitting here, look like an idiot and say, well, that's why I'm sitting here talking to a computer and not making big time NFL decisions. But that's just my two cents. And I was very, very curious to see what you guys had to think on it. Um, moving on here, uh, that is, that'll do it for insiders and headliners, but, uh, moving into our weekly recap, we have, uh, our studs of the week and these ones start to get pretty thin as we get only, uh, uh, two football games this last week. And our next time we'll be doing this is only one football game, but this one's a little bit difficult because there wasn't huge performers in these weeks. Like in the first game, there was literally not a single performer in San Francisco. There was just, let's, let's end this game. Even Philadelphia, you look at some of the big names from Philadelphia, they weren't big producers other than maybe you're looking at Miles Sanders who put up two touchdowns, but he had 40 rushing yards. You know, he didn't have a huge game other than just getting the majors. Uh, you look at Jalen Hurts, I think he threw for 115 yards or something like that. It, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a huge performance. So to try and get some studs of the week was a little bit on the difficult side. And it's funny that all three of us happen to be picking people from the second game. And I'll start things off here. Uh, with a guy that there was some, you know, interest in him in the offseason, going to Kansas City, leaving Green Bay. Is this going to be a step up, step down? What's this mean? Uh, Armin and Zach were very pro Kansas City offense, even though it's just a who's going to be the lucky winner of the wide receiver core of the week. Uh, and they were very much correct in that sense. And this was a name that had some up weeks, had some completely useless weeks. But this was the week that he boomed in a big way and helped Kansas City move on to the Super Bowl for the, was it the third time in four seasons? Uh, we have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, eight targets, six receptions, 116 yards, and one score. So a big week for MVS and uh, is going to be big-time contributor to the offense here, uh, depending on how those wide receivers get healthy. I know Juju Smith-Schuster got nicked up. Uh, I think it was Tony. Uh, Sky Moore left, I think, injured as well, too. I think there's a third that was even nicked up in that offense, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, you're you're going to have a depleted wide receiver core if they're unable to get healthy, and MVS is going to have to step up in a big way. So MVS is my stud of the week. Zach, this just seems only fitting that we just go directly from mine to yours. Yeah, uh, MVS couldn't have done any of that uh, without Patrick Mahomes, uh, QB there for the Chiefs. Uh, 43 attempts, 29 completions, uh, 326 yards through the air, and two touchdowns. Uh, but what may have been most important in that victory was the eight rushing yards that he had. Uh, hard gained yards there at the very end of regulation as he sprinted towards the sideline to get uh, Butker into position to kick the game-winning field goal. So Patrick Mahomes 
was the stud of the week, in my opinion, this week. Yeah, he was the number one player, whether it was fantasy-wise or whether it was performance-wise. He was the best performer in the week, and doing that with one and a half ankles, I'll call it. Definitely, uh, I, I voiced my concerns with in the last episode, and I honestly didn't think he was going to play. And then watching the warm-ups, I was like, yeah, this guy's, this guy's ready for business. You're not going to see him rush a lot, but at least he's got the, the ability to move around the pocket if necessary. Uh, and now he's got a week and a half to get healthy for the big game. So it's going to be, I think that's going to be really interesting to see how quick he can get healthy on this high ankle sprain. Uh, Armin, your stud of the week here, uh, going to the other team. Let's let's share yours. Yeah. Well, back on Patty Mahomes, that just shows you later in his career, as he loses mobility, that he'll still be a pretty effective QB. And that, uh, that speaks to the longevity that we hope to see out of Patrick Mahomes moving forward. Um, my uh, stud of the week is, yeah, from the other team. I went with their wide receiver two, um, or what most people would consider their wide receiver two, T. Higgins, who went off for six catches, 83 yards, and a tutty. Um, it was a pretty clutch touchdown, too, near the end of the game, um, or in the second half. And um, I think this is uh, this game, and then in the Super Bowl, T. Higgins outperformed. Uh, Jamar Chase last year it's just showing that even though Jamar Chase has that that pedigree and that uh that alphaness that uh, everybody's looking for and everyone thinks that he's a wide receiver one there T Higgins is a dog too and he can he can he can get it done and he comes in clutch when when the moments are big he that's what I wanted to see every week the last however many weeks I've been betting on him and then, <laughs> and that's I, you called it, Armin. You knew it was. I said, "Watch this be the week where I just get burned." And yeah, I got burned. It was a T. Higgin week, and I mean, even T. Higgin, like I've we've seen him put up even substantially bigger numbers than this was. But uh, yeah, I felt the burns here, and I mean, we'll talk about it here in a little bit. But uh, that's uh, that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. I was I was obviously big on the uh, Cincinnati train. I was pretty upset that they lost. That's uh, you know, that was that's tough business, but. It is what it is. Only two. That's why only two teams can win Super Bowl. Only one can win. But that's why every team plays for the big moments. So, it is what it is. But uh, moving in here, uh, we'll continue on to. Uh, our, we'll, actually, we'll go a little bit recap just how the DFS when I'm already kind of getting into that. So I was kind of foreshadowing a little bit there. But we'll go straight into the DF. Just DFS recap. We won't have the DFS this week. Obviously, there's no game. Uh, but we will be doing our final one in the uh, upcoming Super Bowl. So we'll go in and we'll talk with the results here. Well, Zach, you, uh, you, I guess you can say you dodged the bullet. I don't know how else to phrase it, but Super Bowl Sunday, me and Armin will be sweating this one out with Zach taking another W on us. Uh, he has solidified the fact that he will be in first place. Even if he finishes dead last, it doesn't matter. Zach is going to be the big winner. You could probably put together a joke lineup and it doesn't really matter come uh, come Super Bowl Sunday. But I mean, he'll probably still do that and still win. It doesn't matter. But Zach got first place. I got second place and Armin got third place. So we currently have a five to two to two. Um, I don't know what else to say, Armin. I thought uh, you're the expert here. I thought I was the underdog. Thought maybe be able to level this one out, but no way, Zach. Zach took the cake on this one. Yeah, I don't know how Zach got through with that New York Giants week. Like, holy. 
Richie uh, James Jr. <laughs> the guy knows something. It hasn't even been close. Like this last week wasn't even close. Uh, yeah. Sanders one pulled that one on the hat. Uh, I thought I was sneaky with him two weeks ago. He burnt me. I left him. And then Zach picked up picked up where he left off or where we're on my hopes were at least. And, and he walked all over us. So Zach 522, congratulations. He's first. He doesn't have to spin the wager wheel. Uh, it'll be <laughs> come down to Armand or I here. And hopefully I'm not sitting at McDonald's for 12 hours or whatever the wager wheel has to decide. But we'll Can be I suggest up. something? Yeah, go ahead. I think to make to make things interesting. We'll know how this shakes out by the end of the game uh, next Sunday. Should have a live, uh, like wager wheel at Rock Trout. I'm totally game to do it. You know what? I was even yeah. thinking it'd be cool if we did like a live episode, like during the halftime or something like that, and got to go and just talk to a few people about the game. Or I, I'm still trying to think about how we can get it going, or even before it starts, we can do a little live. Ep- I'm I'm curious on how we can do that, if whether it's on Facebook Live or or you know or it's on uh, Instagram live. I think we can try and make something happen, but I can definitely spin the wager wheel. We just got to get a few good, uh, a few good punishments on there and see what we can, we can uh, concoct. So if you're listening at home and you got some ideas, definitely fire them our way and we'll, uh, we'll make that happen. That's a good idea, Zach. And we might as well do the the punishment right then and there after we spin it. Something well, for else. sure. Yeah. Something just like right there. the entire wheel is like orange and it's just, Orange is like a bar mat shot. Just <laughs> oh, put put a guy in a hospital, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll have the DFS, like I mentioned, uh, coming up next week uh, in preparation for a Super Bowl uh, episode. But right now, we are going back in time a little bit. We've got the buffer week, and we're going to talk about our 306 Fantasy Awards. And these are the awards. We did it last year, and the people at home get to vote on who they want to win. We'll put them out on the social media. There'll be an opportunity for you to vote on them and send send in your uh, votes via social media. Uh, but we're going to put these out forward there, so stay tuned. You'll see them, but we're going to talk about them a little bit on the pod here. So we got the biggest bust, the waiver wire stud, the biggest week, playoff hero, draft day sleeper, and fantasy MVP. Uh, so when we talk about these, you'll be able to uh, vote on them, and uh, we'll give those uh Whoever wins, we'll talk about that on the next upcoming episode. So you have one week or so to uh, to vote. So uh, starting things off, we have our biggest bust of the award. And maybe maybe as uh, we're talking about it, we'll be able to maybe share about what that means, uh, what that award means, and then we'll talk about the candidates. But taking the first one as biggest bust, we have Armin talking about this award. All right, biggest bust. So this is somebody that uh, was highly sought after in the offseason here eight and draft season and people were targeting them and picking them early and then they just didn't perform and their performance labels them as a bust because based on where they were drafted we could have drafted them a lot later and been happy with that production whereas we're sad at the protection that we got from them from where we got them so, anyways, our uh, candidates are our, uh, what's the word again? Our, not candidates. Nominees. Nominees for go. biggest bus this year, yeah. Uh, nominee number one is Russell Wilson. He is being drafted this year at QB10, 76th overall off the board. Um, he finished the season as QB17. And put up 212 fantasy points. 
Um, so you could have drafted him seven QBs later. Um, being drafted at 10th QB overall means he was a starting QB for most people. Finishing as QB 17 means he was more of a bi-week plugger um, as a QB um, or a backup if your QB went down injured with injury. Uh, 212 points is not a ton for a QB. You're looking at more that uh, high 200s, 300s, maybe even we've had guys in the 400s before, right? Yep. For QB or at least darn close to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Second nominee for biggest bust is Debo Samuel. He was being drafted seventh or wide receiver seven, 22nd overall. He finished the year as wide receiver 32, putting up 137 fantasy points, um, which when you consider last year when he put up over 200 points um, as a big letdown and is probably what you were hoping to get from him or at least close to that this year. So um, pretty big fall from Grace going from wide receiver seven all the way down to wide receiver 32 in his finish. And wide receiver seven seemed like a deal considering last year he was the wide receiver two. Um, our third nominee for biggest bust is Alvin Kamara. He was being drafted as the ninth RB off the board, 11th player overall. He finished the year as RB 20, and he had 171.7 points. So overall for Alvin Kamara, not the worst season, but uh, that being drafted ninth overall was mostly due to the um, fear of him being suspended. If not, he probably would have been drafted quite higher. So I think we got to take that into consideration when we when we uh, come up with uh, who actually ever wins this. Um, because um, if that um, suspension wasn't looming over his head at draft season, I'm sure he would have been closer to like RB4 or 5 or something like that. Um, lastly, our fourth and final nominee for biggest bust is Kyle Pitts was being drafted as tight end three and 31st off the board or 31st overall highly sought after he ended up being tight end 31 putting up only 61.6 fantasy points um now he is a bust nothing against him or his uh, actual football skills he just was on a team that barely threw the ball and barely targeted their tight end this year um but you still got to put him as a bust with how high he was being drafted. Um, so, yeah, those are our four nominees for biggest bust. I would be putting my money on um, probably Kyle Pitts at this moment. Um, Alvin Kamara, I feel like he he wasn't far off from where he was being drafted. I think you you felt like you were getting a deal for him when you got him, and then putting up the points he did, you're kind of like, ah, it's not great, but at least I didn't lose out a whole ton of points. Debo Samuel, that was a pretty big fall from grace. Um, pretty similar to the Kyle Pitts one. Um, but uh, he dealt with a little bit of injury this year. And then Russell Wilson, uh, you know what? He'd be in contention with Kyle Pitts. This is a good one, actually, Jordan. This is really good. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> honestly, 
I feel like whoever's going to win this one is whoever was on the majority of rosters. Like, it's always like, I felt the burns worse. No, I felt the burns worse. Like, if you had multiple of these guys on your team, you really felt the burns, and you're going to have a hard yeah. time deciding who you're going to vote for. So this this one, I think, is going to be one of our closer ones out of uh, some of the ones we have to talk about. So See, I, I have trouble with the Pitts one because I, I wasn't drafting him at tight end three. Like, I didn't have him that high. I had him in the tight end range, but, like, uh, or like in a drafting tight end range, but didn't think tight end 31 was going to be the thing. But I wasn't drafting him at tight end three, which I'm kind of like some of those guys just went out on a limb there and really got burnt. Big time, big time. Uh, Zach, you, you're next on the docket here. We got the waiver wire stud. Uh, you want to talk about your candidates and a little bit about this award? You betcha. So for me, a waiver wire stud is somebody that isn't drafted at all by the end of your average uh, 10 team uh, draft in August or September. And all the players that are on this list were or had an ADP beyond 200. So for me, that safely ensured that for the most case in most regular drafts, they weren't drafted at all because we could also include players that were drafted with uh, earlier ADPs, but then were cut uh, early on in the season and then were picked up for some hot finishes. Uh, A guy that comes to mind there would be Justin Fields, but uh, for me, I want to keep this nice and simple. So all of these players were drafted beyond the ADP of 200. Uh, and our four nominees for the waiver wire stud uh, are, in no particular order, uh, Taysom Hill, uh, quarterback, gunner, tight end, you name it, that's Taysom Hill. Uh, Taysom Hill finished as tight end five, uh, only bringing in 9.2 uh, half point PPR points per week but he did have some massive weeks and he also had some really uh poor weeks but we know the tight end landscape is so volatile um he was still able to finish his tight end five uh next on the list is somebody that is very near and dear to my heart uh jacoby myers he was uh the wide receiver 33 on the year uh, he finished with just over 10 fantasy points per game with 10 and a half half point point half point PPR points a game. Um, somebody that routinely would get you uh, get or get him or get you and the Patriots uh, six receptions for like 50 yards and maybe a touchdown. So somebody that wasn't breaking uh, fantasy scoring, but was a nice uh, flex play for most of the season. Um, this next person, Geno Smith, QB six on the league, uh, finished with 18.7, uh, points per game, um, in a one QB league certainly wasn't the sexiest play, but in a super flex league, Geno Smith was certainly a league winner, um, because he was free in almost every draft. And then last but not least, Jarek McKinnon, uh, finished as RB 21 on the season. And he had exactly 10 fantasy points per game this season. Uh, McKinnon, very similar to Hill. Uh, There were some really, really poor weeks, especially at the beginning of the season for McKinnon. 
But then towards the end of the year, when injuries started to pile up in Kansas City, he went on a huge heater towards the end of the season uh, where he certainly got teams into the fantasy playoffs. And in some cases, I'm sure he won teams the fantasy playoffs. So those four players make up the waiver wire stud category. One thing that uh, I forgot to put in the dockets here, so as Zach was mentioning, I kind of threw them in there. That was the last year's winners. And uh, it's kind of funny to go back and look at some of the nominees from last year's categories and then realize who ended up winning them. But the biggest bust last year winner was Allen Robinson. That one I was, that one I think was a pretty much a runaway. Uh, so it was the waiver wire last year that uh, Zach had talked about was uh, Cordell Patterson. And that was a runaway. And then some of these other ones were there was a little bit closer battles. Um, the next award is uh, that I'm going to take care of here is the biggest week award. Uh, and that may not necessarily mean like the biggest, numerical value but it might be like the biggest week that meant something to your roster or, or from a player that um, was maybe average or or was you know a, a good player but really took you over like there's players like Austin Eckler that he had huge weeks but that's a guy that you would expect it from uh, then there was weeks where you know uh, some some players that you put in your lineup and you're hoping for that eight point buffer and then they put up like a, a 40 point week and that that single-handedly wins you the week so uh, kind of putting that into consideration uh, last year, the award winner was Jamar chase on the uh, week 17. So it was actually championship week. He put up a monstrous week. He had 300 yards and three touchdowns or something along those lines. So it was a huge week. Uh, and obviously in a huge important moment, which was the uh, fantasy championships. Now this week, uh, sorry, this year we have four nominees and it's actually funny because the two nominees, the games were against Carolina and the other two nominees <laughs> games are against Seattle. So there's a little bit of, uh, I can, you guess you can imagine of which defense has struggled this season. But uh, the first one we're going to talk about was the iconic Joe Mixon week. Uh, he had a bit of an up and down inconsistent, uh, maybe some might even say disappointing season. Uh, but in week nine, he single-handedly won you a week uh, when they played Carolina, putting up 53.1 fantasy points. Uh, he had the 153 uh, rushing yards and four touchdowns then also had four receptions for 58 yards and another touchdown and this all happened in I think it was a half I can't remember if he even played in the second half it might have been a half and, and change but it, he didn't even play the entire fourth quarter and if I remember correctly didn't even play much of the third quarter either because they were smoking them and the game was well out of hand so the first one was Joe Mixon week nine uh, the second one is Mike Evans on championship week 17 versus Carolina as well. Uh, Mike, Evans, Mike Evans had a very, very disappointing season uh, altogether. But uh, if you had the stones to play him in your fantasy championship, uh, putting up 47.1 points, you won your fantasy championships. It was clear, clear cut, no brainer. 10 receptions, 207 yards and three touchdowns. So uh, if you got through week 15, 16, where Mike Evans struggled, but then you put him in that final matchup, uh, you walked away with your trophy this season. Uh, the other two were against Seattle. Uh, TJ Hawkinson had two really big weeks. The first one was week four against Seattle. And the second one, I believe, was week 15, maybe week 16. It was during the fantasy playoffs regardless. But the biggest week he had was week four against Seattle, 35.9 fantasy points. Uh, and he put up eight receptions, 179 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, TJ Hawkinson was a guy that was drafted around that tight end five, tight end six range. Uh, had a bit of a slow start. Ended up getting traded midseason, uh, but that one big game, uh, Detroit versus Seattle, he boomed. And then the second one was when he was with Minnesota, 
And uh, I can't remember exactly who it was against, but it was in week 15 or 16. I might have to pull that up after, but had another really big week. And uh, if you put him in that lineup in that fantasy or fantasy playoff, then he projected you into the next round, most likely. And our last one is Josh Jacobs. And that was week 12 versus Seattle as well. And he put up a monster week of 45.3 fantasy points, 33 carries for 229 yards and two touchdowns, as well as six receptions for 74 yards uh, to boot. So we had a huge week from Josh Jacobs. Um, he had a huge year. It was just easy to put it as that, but this was his biggest week of the year. We got, uh, Joel Mixon at 53.1 points, Mike Evans at 47.1 points, TJ Hawkinson, 35.9 points and Josh Jacobs, 45.3. So putting everything into context, the week it was the importance where you maybe drafted them and where you, they kind of fit in your lineup. So there's a lot of things that can go into play in this week. So the biggest week, uh, those are four nominees. Uh, I'm going to the, take care of the next one actually here too. And that's the playoff hero. And, uh, last season, uh, this is awesome. I was super pumped to do this award last year and I'm doing it again this year. Uh, was a Monroe St. Brown, uh, from the Detroit Lions won it last year, single-handedly winning people fantasy championships. And, uh, the first nominee actually Zach kind of hinted at a little bit, uh, when he was taking care of the waiver wire stud, that's Jarek McKinnon, uh, running back from the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, in that three-week stint, the week 15, 16, 17, uh, we don't take care of the week 18 championships because uh, we don't do week 18 championships. <laughs> uh, Jarek McKinnon put up 61.6 fantasy points where he was the RB1, RB21, and RB6. And that whole entire stretch, he probably got you the playoffs and very well could have won you the playoffs as well too. Uh, so Jarek McKinnon had an outstanding playoff run and an outstanding second half of the season. Uh, the second nominee is C.D. Lamb, who put up 60.7 points during those three weeks and finished as the wide receiver 1, 11, and 15 in the respective 15 through 17 weeks. Uh, C.D. Lamb had a really good year, and I know we had a little bit of discussion about him uh, where Dak went down. Do you trade C.D. And, uh, and, try and try and flip it, or do you hope that C.D. can bounce back? C.D. bounced back in a big way. He had a, he had a really good season, and he had a really good playoff run, too. Obviously, finishing as wide receiver 1, 11, and 15. Uh, the third nominee is Austin Eckler, who scored 66.0 points during that three-week stretch where he finished as RB17, unfortunately, in the, in the quarterfinal matchup. But if you made your way through the quarterfinal with Austin Eckler, he produced massive in the semifinals and the finals where he was the RB4 and then the RB number one during championship week. So Austin Eckler had a really, really nice three-week stretch. And then finally is George Kittle who had a rocky season as well, but really got into a nice stretch with Brock Purdy down, down the, down the second half of the season, as well as the fantasy playoffs where he finished with 60.6 fantasy points and finished as tight end one, two and 12. And now this is an interesting one because you have a wide variance. You have a guy that was picked up off waivers. You have a guy that was a highly drafted wide receiver. You have a high, a guy that was a highly drafted running back. And then you have a guy that was kind of a middling, you know, maybe uh, tight end four or five, but then really poured it on down the stretch. So it's coming from very different uh, perspectives, all putting up very similar points, ranging from 60 to 66 fantasy points. So all scoring very similarly uh, and all producing in a big way. So I think this one's going to be a fun one on who wins this one. Like I mentioned last year, the Monterey St. Brown, that was a bit of a runaway. I think this one's going to be a lot closer. So this is one that I'm, I'm pretty interested to see where, where the people end up voting. Uh, it's wild how tight the points got in the fantasy playoffs because, uh, 60 points Joe Mixon almost put that up in his one game in the biggest week yeah and, and that was in could you imagine if that was during fantasy playoffs like that would just be unbelievable like 
you look at, and it's actually kind of funny, like you look at the numbers that were put up from Mike Evans, that was during the fantasy playoffs. He was 47.1 points. So to think that one of the top scorers was 66 points, he scored 47 of them in championship week. He was still in one of the higher considerations for points during the playoff stretch, but he put up almost nothing in week 15, 16. So it's pretty <laughs> ironic that, uh, that that's how the cookie crumbled on that one. But uh, our next one here, we got draft a sleeper and Zach's going to take care of this one. To me, a draft a sleeper is it's a player that you get in the later rounds of your draft. Uh, oftentimes, a lot of the excitement is round two, round three, round four. But you see time and time again, at least in my experience, that the teams that win the leagues that I'm in are the teams that absolutely smash the later rounds of the draft. Um, if you're able to find a viable starter uh, and certainly somebody that you can play week in and week out in round 10, that sets your team up for so much more success than uh, just hitting on your first round draft pick or hitting on your second round draft pick. Because in a lot of instances, that's easy. Finding a stud in round one is usually pretty easy. Round two, usually pretty easy. But finding a stud in round 10, 11, not so easy. And these are the players as a draft a sleeper that really set teams up for success. Um, I'm going to start this off with saying I can make a very easy argument for Ramondre Stevenson. Um, but if you listen to the podcast, you already knew about Ramondre, so we're not going to go there. Um, the first nominee for the draft a sleeper is Jamal Williams. He had an ADP of running back 57 uh, during draft season, and he finished the season as RB12. So that is somebody that is being drafted at the end of drafts, possibly even going undrafted, and he finished as a RB1, depending on the size of your league. Um, absolutely outstanding value. Uh, the next player would be Devontae Smith. He had an ADP of wide receiver 37. So still somebody that is expected to contribute, but he finished way above that, finishing as the wide receiver 10. And that is a wide receiver one, regardless of the settings, unless you're in some kind of very small friends league with six teams or eight teams. Um, who, this next one is somebody that I consider to be possibly the favorite for this. Um, Josh Jacobs uh, drafted as running back 22 and he finished as running back number three. Uh, there's a lot of times in my drafts where I would see Josh Jacobs available in round six, seven. And I'm thinking, God, do I really have to draft Josh Jacobs as my RB2? And I would often talk myself out of it. And now Josh Jacobs is the number three running back on the season. So he is somebody that really outperformed where he was drafted. And lastly, uh, this last player, uh, Justin Fields, drafted as quarterback 17 on the season, and he finished as quarterback five on the year. Um, and I think Fields really goes to show uh, the patience that you have to have in these young quarterbacks. I drafted Fields in a super flex league as my quarterback three, and between his production early on in the season as well as the size of the bench in that league, 
I ended up dropping him after a few weeks. And unfortunately, a few weeks later, he really turned it on and he finished the season as a QB one. And he was my quarterback three for a few weeks. So uh, really ended up biting me in the butt, but whoever picked him up definitely benefited from that. So those are the four nominees plus one for fun for the draft day sleeper. You can almost call that one a little bit of bragging rights as it were. <laughs> if you're one of your my guys coming in the season, but this is a damn shame that I think this one's going to be a bit of a runaway because there is, there's one for sure that I think is like, you know, a really, really good secondary candidate where that person was drafted and finished. And especially when you think about the contribution to your, your team, where you drafted them and how often were they in your lineup? Like you look like Jamal Williams, he had really big weeks and he had some really, really bad weeks where he just fluctuated. But to me, there's two really, really good candidates here. And it's a damn shame that it might turn into a runaway, but that's uh, you know, that's why we only contribute as one vote and everybody else gets the exact same one vote too. So we'll see where everybody else kind of goes with this. <laughs> Uh, Armin, our final one of the uh, of the season, of the segment, of the episode. Uh, let's bring this one home. All right. So the last one is the fantasy MVP. So I think you got to take into a combination, a few things into account on this one when you're looking at your vote for your fantasy MVP. Um, you got to look at their total points in the season. You got to look at where they were drafted where they finish, the positional advantage that they may have given you um, in that draft. You got to look at, did they produce every single week? Did they have any boom weeks that really set you off? And then did they perform in the fantasy playoffs? You got to look at all those, I think, when you're thinking about the fantasy MVP and making sure that you pick someone who just was an all-around great guy to have on your team and... uh and might have won you a league if you if you had him on your team you you won the league because of this guy um so first nominee for fantasy mvp is jalen hurts he was being drafted as the qb6 um overall 55 off the board he finished as qb3 and had a total of 374.6 half point ppr points um pretty good little jump for him there and he was consistent week in, week out. I don't think Hertz had any bad weeks. So at uh, the QB position, being able to to count and uh, count on those points every week was awesome. And then he had a few big weeks, nothing explosive, but a, a few good big weeks out during the season. Um, Josh Jacobs is our second nominee for fantasy MVP. He was drafted as RB RB twenty two, overall forty eighth player off the board finished as RB3 and had a total of 295.8 points. So just shy of that 300 point mark. Um, incredible season by Josh Jacobs. Um, he had some very, very, very boom weeks. Um, kind of took him a little bit to get going, I think, in the season. Um, so he he finished strong, meaning that that he gave you that, that fantasy um, playoffs um, strong finish that that you might have wanted um and yeah he was he was a good guy to have on your your team uh third nomination nomination home hometown pick here justin jefferson of the minnesota vikings drafted as wide receiver two eighth overall finished as wide receiver one on the season um he put up 298.8 points so almost 300 points as well um 
he had big weeks every week. I think he only had two bad weeks in the season, and then he had some boom weeks as well. Um, Justin Jefferson, great, um, great uh, wide receiver to have on your team. Um, and unfortunately, one of his bad weeks, though, was in the fantasy playoffs, I believe. Um, and then, right? Am I right there? I think I'm right. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was week week seventeen. Yeah, and then lastly, Austin Eckler is our fourth nomination for fantasy MVP. He was being drafted as RB three overall, third player off the board. He finished the season as RB number one, and he had a total points of three hundred and twelve point two points on the season. Um, so those are our four nominees for fantasy MVP. Um, looking at it overall, I'm, I'm leaning Josh Jacobs where he separates from the other three guys is that, uh, that jump from where he was drafted to where he finished. Otherwise they're all very comparable in their points and what they contributed to your fantasy team. This, this one, I think might be a two horse race. Uh, maybe, maybe a slight third, uh, in that voting there too. Uh, but this one's. This one's fun. Last year, the Cooper Cup just ran away with it. It's going to be a little bit more interesting than it was last year. But yeah, um, this one, like I said, we'll post on social media here. You guys, uh, you'll be able to go and vote on it. I'll calculate them all. I'll probably close it. I'm guessing on the on the Monday, as we usually prep and start getting ready for recording on the Tuesday slash Wednesday. So kind of keeping that consideration. I'll have them out there. But you guys will be able to decide who the fantasy. Fantasy award winners were for this uh, this 2022 campaign. But other than that, that's going to kind of do it for episode 79. Um, I guess maybe hopefully you're enjoying the Pro Bowl if you end up watching it. I know I, I always joked I enjoyed the dodgeball last year. I thought that was kind of fun to watch. This is something, you know, that's just uh, this easy watching entertainment, I guess. Uh, I'd be interested to see what it looks like this year with the flag football instead of the, uh, you know, the, the previous Pro Bowls. But uh, anything you guys want to add here before we wrap up episode number 79? Well, I think with me securing the uh, the DFS championship, I'll just uh, I'll put it out there. Uh, this upcoming week's lineup will include the likes of the KC and Philadelphia defenses, uh, Harrison Butker, kicker for the Chiefs, Jake Elliott, kicker for the Eagles, and uh, Noah Gray. So I'm going for uh, three weeks in a row here as the number one scoring team. You got to put that like you got to put like that in like a five dollar million maker there, Zach, because like that's the kind of shenanigans that could win you a million bucks because nobody else has the guts to do it. So you got to actually like, submit that lineup when Super Bowl rolls around. And if you win a million bucks, then I get a cut of it for telling you to do it. Rick, can you imagine <laughs> Noah Gray getting like two tuds? Well, just a deep, like what if it was that year when it was uh, L.A. versus uh, New England, one touchdown and it was just a offensive slugfest. Like that yeah. would win you a million bucks. One touchdown to Noah Gray. Yeah. And wasn't it was it Sony <laughs> Michelle that scored that touchdown? So there you go. He was a long shot to score that one. Noah Gray's a long shot to get this one. Zach, you got to do it. I mean, it's a boring Super Bowl, but a million <laughs> bucks, a million bucks. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just stomping around, rock trope being all pody. Anytime there's like a 10 yard completion. Yeah. No, 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 drop that. You drop that's yeah. an interception. Come on, strip, strip it. Uh, Armin, you got anything here before we wrap this one up? Are you going to make a million bucks too? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make a million bucks. I'm going to go on. Uh... Oh, it's blanking now. I was going to say the uh, Blake Bell. Yeah. 
Oh, that's a real dark horse. <laughs> that's a real dark horse. I'm just gonna put the Patrick Mahomes in there and hope I just don't have to spin the wheel <laughs> at Rock Trout. <laughs> we'll have more details coming with the Rock Trout one coming up next episode. Uh, as we get closer, it'll be under a week away by the time the next episode drops. So more details to follow on that one. Stay tuned for that. And like I mentioned, keep following social media as all of our all of our good stuff is gonna be out on there too. So thanks for listening, everybody. That's gonna wrap it up, like I mentioned, for episode number 79. Take care and uh, Super Bowl's around the corner. Let's uh, let's talk soon. Thank you.